0: Welcome to Podcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Podcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable
1: and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Hi, everyone. We are back for another podcast, and it's really nice to actually welcome back Joe Clark with us today. So, um, I think the feedback seems to be very good from uh, what she mentioned in her um, first outing with practice plan and hopefully we can have some more insights today. So welcome back Jo. Hello, thank you so much. It's so good to be back. Well, thanks for coming back. I know that our practice has done some work with you um, and it seems to have been sort of, you know, really beneficial towards um, an impact both on sort of hopefully personal levels as well as um, practice levels. Um, and I think it would be good to kind of mention really what's going on. Um, I'm not sure how much you actually mentioned about Petros in your uh, first podcast, but I don't know if you want to give yourself a quick uh, introduction again regarding work that you do and um, your work in healthcare.
0: Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. So Petros is a small not-for-profit business. Our purpose is to help people thrive at work and at life. Um, My background is actually in the prison service as a psychologist, so working in particularly tough environments in high-security prisons. I managed in the midst of all that to do a PhD, to look at the predictors of thriving at work, and have brought all that to bear in settings outside of the prison service through Petros. Um, as the vehicle for the dissemination of all that information so on the website there are loads of blogs and things there's a free download on the home page about well-being at work the blogs are all relating to sort of hints and tips to help you thrive please do just go and interrogate the website download what you like obviously ignore what you don't so we've um we've worked quite a lot in healthcare, a lot with dentistry because I think there are particular demands in dentistry that people don't always get Um, And I know I mentioned this previously about, you know, you're working in small environments in isolation with people who come with anxiety and stress and fear of pain, spend a lot of time soothing people. In in neuroscience terms we're learning more about the transmission of stress through the secretion of cortisol through the skin, so if people are coming into the surgery really stress secreting cortisol that can transmit to the dentist and to the nursing staff. So in addition to the sort of behavioural contagion of stress it seems that there's a neurophysiological one as well Which means it becomes even more important that that people are equipped to look after themselves and to help themselves thrive.
1: It sounds like what you're saying is that um, cortisol, when um, actually kind of releases that neurotransmitter, it's almost like a pheromone response. Except in the
0: opposite way, because I think pheromones are meant to be quite nice, aren't
1: they? Um, um, I'm sure there's bad smells that go around as well.
0: Oh, that's true. Actually, yes, I do remember from my time in prison service. But yes, I mean, the point is, I think that there's actually a chemical transmission. That seems to be what the research is saying. So even if you yourself are not feeling particularly stressed, if you have stressed patients, we know that when people are stressed, they produce excess cortisol and therefore that might transmit. So it does become even more essential to be well equipped with the skills to not respond stressfully and to thrive at work.
1: And is there such thing as the reverse, where there is some form of antagonist to cortisol, where if you're releasing that instead, can that then actually neurotransmit onto other people in your presence?
0: Well, you know, it's a fascinating question and I can't give you a scientific answer because I don't know if the research has been done. What I do know is psychologists are a bit obsessed with looking at negative things. So stress would be an example. But if we can think ourselves stressed, then it makes absolute sense that we can think ourselves calm, which is, of course, the basis for mindfulness, that we could think ourselves happy, that we could think ourselves um, successful. And we know that there are neurotransmitters associated with those states of mind as well, like the endorphins and serotonin and dopamine. So it would make sense that that's the case. I don't know if there's any scientific evidence for it, but let's assume that there will be shortly.
1: All right, so for anyone listening, if you do know the answer, please get in touch um, because then you can actually do our research for us. Um, All right, so then I suppose if we're um, relating into this subject, I guess the best way to actually talk about um, this sort of cortisol and the responses to it is um, really resilience. Mm. Um, I guess people don't really always understand what resilience is. Are you able to explain it in, um, to us? I will have a good go. I think
0: over the last 10, 15 years, resilience has become a bit of a dirty word, and I'll think I'll explain why in a moment. But actually, the term itself... Is about 500 years old and it comes from engineering. It's not even a psychological term, but it refers to the amount of pressure that a material can take and then still reform to its original shape once that pressure is been removed. So you may remember, um, I think two or three years ago, we had a heat wave and all the railway lines buckled in the heat. Um, but when it cooled down, the railway lines just reformed to their original shape. They didn't need relaying. And that's because of the resilience of the steel that they're made of. I think it's steel. So the, the steel was able to reform to its original shape. So psychologists stole this term in the 1970s, thought, oh, that's a really good term to apply to people. Um, and then no one can agree a definition. <laughs> so um, Some people think it might be a, a something you're born with. And the research evidence would suggest that probably about a third of people are born naturally resilient. Happy to talk about that study, but I'll do it separately because it'll take a bit of time to explain. Um, Some people believe it's a trait. Some people believe it's variable over time. Lots of people believe you can learn it. And it's interesting, I think, in currently the reason it's become a bit of a dirty word is, is, let me ask you, the first things that come to your mind when you think about resilience if I were to say to you first words that come to your mind when you hear the term resilience what about you Hussein what what comes to your mind
1: um well I suppose resilience is something that people associate with actually being strong or um not being needy I suppose is a word for it maybe yeah um, interesting that you mention that your study it says that there's a third of people that um, are naturally resilient anyway mm. um, and i guess you do see that um, and especially some you know somewhere like um, our practice where you've got you know 40 plus people there and mm. um, some of those people are actually very naturally resilient because no matter mm. what you throw at them no matter what boundary you mm. might be um, it literally just goes over them like water on a duck's back mm. um then you get other people that will you know, maybe take it not not take it the wrong way, um, but they maybe not wanting to engage in that kind of conversation on a regular basis, mm. um, or that kind of context, and that does make it um, something that you do have to kind of go off personalities a bit. And um, yeah, with resilience, you know, as you said, you know, people do seem to associate it with um, that word strong or not being able to buckle under pressure. Mm. Um, and when you mention that people can you know develop those skills, um, it's not easy. And I think dentists are naturally kind of maybe not resilient people just based on sort of their psychological profiles in the first place, maybe.
0: So there's so much to unpick in what you've just said. Um, I'm going to stick with the strength thing but I want to come back to how we cope at some points and not others as well because I think that's really important and I think one of the reasons resilience has become a dirty word is because people associate it with being strong and therefore if you're not resilient you must be weak um, which I think is quite insulting. I personally and at Petros we, we consider resilience to be um, a set of skills And therefore, if you're not resilient, you haven't yet learned the skills of resilience. So whilst there is almost certainly a genetic component, there is also a learning component in there and that we can train people in the skills that can be really helpful to help them keep their psychological balance, particularly when the pressure is on. So in relation to what you're saying, the the issue that sometimes we might be able to respond well to pressure and other times not also sort of depends on everything else that's going on in our lives, how well resourced we are, how much energy we've got. And there are skills to managing your energy as well. So even though I, I might consider myself um, pretty resilient and I think I, I am because I think I was probably got a genetic component to it Um, and I think I've learned an enormous amount through my work and my training there are still times when I might wobble a bit more in response to something happening than at other times and that might be because I'm tired or it's just it's another thing that I have to respond adaptively to so if it's okay with you I'd love to just give a quick definition at Petros of how we would describe resilience
1: well, I was just going to mention something very quickly. I know you sort of want to give your um, definition, but yeah. one of the things that I find about resilience, and one of the things that um, sort of I've discovered through some of the training that you know we've done, but um, well, I suppose I've done as an individual, and then both as part of um, the practice um, work with Petros as well, is um, rumination. And I know you've mm. said yourself that you used to be a huge ruminator, <laughs> um, and I don't know where the that makes me less resilient because I'm not just able to kind of think about that thing Mm. get it out of my head um Mm. let go of it and then because I'm kind of ruminating on it um is that actually leading into um kind of being less resilient because I'm just kind of like fixated on it almost Mm. well okay
0: so rumination it's an interesting word and that we it's a Obviously, it's a term in the public domain, but I came across it through the work of Dr. Derek Roger of the Work Skills Centre, who developed a, an incredible programme called the Challenge of Change Resilience Training. Um, it's actually been around for 30 years, but it's based on psychology, neuroscience, psychometric assessment, um, and philosophy. And that was the first time I heard the word rumination, which he defines as a preoccupation with emotional upset. Um, And essentially, he says, that's what stress is. It's when we get absolutely, we can't get something out of our head and it becomes overwhelming. The really interesting thing is that rumination is a habit and it's also a choice. And while sometimes we feel like we can't get stuff out of our heads um, with the right skills, you can bring your mind back to the present. You can control your attention. Um, you can detach and as you mentioned you can let go so in in the challenge of change those are four steps to stress-free living it's a wake up to control attention to detach and to let go and the rumination is I mean I'm sure everyone can think of a time where something has happened in their lives and it's just got stuck in their head and they can't stop thinking about it it might be a difficult conversation, someone pulling out in front of you in the traffic, an argument with your boss, a difficulty in the family. And it's just on your mind the whole time. And it feels overwhelming. And life gives us plenty to ruminate about. It really does. And in fact, in my view, rumination is promoted in advertising because it sells stuff. You know, if you're worried about germs, you go out and buy detox and detox. They probably sue me for this, but the play on that, the advertisers. Um. So, you know, we're in a society that creates worry, although essentially what that's about is trying to defend our sense of self and make ourselves feel a bit better. But that's that gets deep into the philosophy. won't go there today. But it's fascinating to to recognize that what goes on in our head is actually under our control. And if we were to wake up and what we mean by that is to to literally have your mind here now. And in the previous podcast, we talked about the lovely acronym WIN, what's important now, and giving your attention to that. Because if you're focused on that, then your mind can't go off and make mischief, worrying about other things. Um, So waking up, controlling attention. And this is quite interesting when we think about mindfulness. And you think, and I can hear Derek in my head saying, what is your mind full of? Well, your mind is full of attention. Your power is what you give it to. Um, If you give your attention to the ruminations in your head, you very quickly will probably feel like you're going out of your mind because it pushes you out of your mind. Um, But if you choose to use your attention for good, (laughs) so to give your full attention to what's important now, it gives you an opportunity to to then get a perspective of the stuff that's going on and to let go of it. It's obviously slightly more complicated than that, but I'd really recommend Derek's book, Um, which is called um, Work Without Stress. I nearly forgot then. Work Without Stress. Personally, I think it should be called Live Without Stress, Um, but it's aimed at the corporate market. So it's called Work Without Stress by Derek Roger and Nick Petrie. Really worth a read. I
1: have to stick it into my um, shopping basket. um, Yes. a well-known online book retailer. Um, (laughs) Other book (laughs) retailers are available. Yeah, Yeah. done it it the BBC way there. um so it sounds like what essentially is happening um or what the message is is almost to be more resilient is to be less stressful which is easier said than done because it i don't think it's kind of just able to simplify into that one tiny little sentence um mm. i suppose we can come back to that very quickly i know you talk about control attention um and the nurses that i work with have noticed this all the time um is that literally i will to get into sort of that zone for dentistry and to actually focus what I'm doing I am pretty much talking myself through what's what I'm actually doing at each stage of maybe a treatment um and I suppose patients find it reassuring because they actually know what's happening at the same time um and the nurses have just you know seen me do it so many times now that they've practically just switched off to what's going on um but because they know that that's that's what I'm doing and that's the way that I'm kind of focusing myself um so I suppose you've sort of briefly mentioned about kind of becoming detached and letting go but I guess yeah that very simple sentence of being more resilient is being less stressed how do you actually kind of yeah edge yourself towards that resilience and what else can you do to really control those um really control yourself in that sense
0: yeah actually i think you've given an absolutely fantastic strategy which is a running commentary so i'm going to come back to that but let's talk about um the difference or what stress is so we tend to believe and i kind of brought up to believe that stress is inherent in events stress is inherent in that traffic jam or inherent in that job rejection or inherent in the christmas rush at the markets. um and actually if you think about stress differently from that you become free so stress is this is going to sound really difficult. stress is a choice and that sounds really hard I'm not saying that we choose to be stressed because stress is absolutely miserable but if we have the right skills we can choose not to be stressed and to help understand that let's just define the difference between pressure and stress so we're all under pressure all of the time I mean doing a podcast is it's got full of pressure, isn't it? Because you've got to think about what you're saying. Say the right thing. Keep an eye on the time. The pressure's on. It's not quite the same as sitting watching Netflix. And pressure goes up and down all the time. Um, and, for example, when you're saying in dentistry, you might have a patient come in who's really, really anxious, really fearful of pain. And so you feel that pressure to do the right thing for them. What turns pressure into stress is thinking. And is actually what turns pressure and stress is rumination. So if when that patient comes in, we start thinking, oh my god, what if I, what if I hurt them? What if they scream when I put the anaesthetic in? Um, what if I do the, you know, drill too hard? What if the drill slips? Obviously, I'm not a dentist, but I'm hoping this. <laughs> This is aligned with some dentist's experience. If we start um, ruminating about all the things that might go wrong for this patient, we've lost control of our attention. And I love what you're saying about doing and running commentary of what you're doing because it keeps your mind completely focused on what you're doing in that moment. I'm absolutely sure it's reassuring to patients because sometimes we, you know, we don't know what's going on as a patient and it's, it's quite nice to hear the dentist talk through what they're doing. Um, Not all patients would like that, but I'm sure most of us would. And running commentary is a fantastic way for managing rumination, no matter what you're doing. So you can do a running commentary driving your car. And it means your your mind is in the car with you. And in fact, in advanced driving, you're required to do a running commentary to show that you're paying attention. And advanced drivers get a reduced insurance because they have fewer accidents. You can do a running commentary of your bike ride. You can do a running commentary of your shop. I'd advise you probably to do it in your head and not out loud in most cases. Otherwise, people might think you're slightly bonkers. Um, But it is a fantastic way of bringing your attention back to what you're doing. And therefore not allowing your mind to go and make mischief to go and make up horror stories about what might go wrong because mostly when you listen to the narrative in your head when you're stressed it's almost certainly full of what if what if what if what if, what if. and that's not happened yet
1: so it's all just make believe well um one of my favorite sort of fiction characters is actually jd from scrubs who has this very sort of strange internal monologue monologue which um Actually, almost ends up in kind of territory of Alice in Wonderland sometimes, um, <laughs> or in that, um, or in that kind of yeah, um, not not context, but sort of uh, e- equality of um, the way that he thinks about uh, some of his hospital fantasies. Um, I don't know, fantasy sounds a very strange way of describing it as well. Um, but yeah, very amusing show anyway. That uh, goes back to um, my sort of teenage years um, and yeah. university life. Um, and then you say, you know, letting go is important as well. Uh, well, detachment and letting go, which yeah. almost sounds like the same thing. What's the difference between those two? Well, detachment is essentially the ability
0: to take a step back and keep perspective, um, okay. to make sure that you've got the bigger picture. So it's um it's easier to say than to do. And I think it's because very often the things that cause us to respond stressfully to stuff are things we're very attached to. You know, so if something happens to a family member or if we're late for a job interview that's really important to us and we're very attached to that, it can be quite hard to, let's take the job interview example, you're stuck in traffic and and you're panicking because you're going to be late. Whereas actually, if you woke up, if you brought your mind to the present, instead of letting it make a horror story up about what might happen, that you control attention. You can make a decision to pull over and ring the people who are interviewing you. And um, it's really, really unusual for someone to say, well, then that's it. You're out of the running because you're not here on time because you're stuck in traffic. You know, the wider perspective is people pretty much understand that, that, that this kind of stuff happens. And that you'll get there when you can. And then then you can just relax into the journey and know that maybe you can do your interview at another time instead of sitting there for half an hour, sort of pumping your cardiovascular system with stress. Because that's what happens. And that goes back to cortisol, that we start thinking about awful things happening um, adrenaline and cortisol are produced by our adrenal glands. You can feel it in your body. And most people usually do feel stress in their body before they're even aware of the thinking. So they might feel butterflies or the heart rate go up or tension in their neck or head or gripping the steering wheel. Um, adrenaline and cortisol. We can ease off the accelerator, um, literally and metaphorically, once we realize that there's nothing we can do about the traffic. And no amount of ruminating about it is going to move it. But we've taken action. We've rung the people that we're going for the interview for. Um, they're going to hang on for us or fit us in at a later time or invite us back another day. And it's about the ability to recognise that, which is hard when your head is full of rumination. So, so that's the detachment piece. And the letting go is it's almost like literally letting go of the rumination. It's going, I don't need to do that because it's harmful. And rumination is very harmful. It's miserable. And it absolutely exhaust your cardiovascular system so it's about being able to let go of the thinking that provokes and provokes that ruminative response
1: well would you say that because one of the most frustrating things that i find is um especially when you're sort of showing patients or you're telling them it's like you know you need this treatment um and a lot of the time patients kind of go well it doesn't bother me i'll just leave it alone or i don't understand what i'm doing or they'll kind of nod along but then as soon as they've left the room they've decided not to actually do it, um, and then I've kind of maybe not quite got detached from it because it frustrates me that mm. they're not listening to my professional advice, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of do ruminate on that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the phrase I sort of have to tell myself is that because they're not my teeth, that's kind of like my only way of actually letting yeah. go. Um, maybe it's again, it's easy to say when you haven't, you know, been through the experience of needing much dental work. Unfortunately, my parents haven't um so I guess that is fortuitous in that sense whereas there's other people who've kind of been through so much of it um, mm. and maybe they don't want more of it or you know they are pain-free and that's all they're really bothered about everyone's kind of got different reasons for um, wanting to do something or not wanting to do something mm. and, and I know letting go is not an easy thing and I guess you do it kind of there are, there are certainly more ways that you have to do that um, and say become detached well there's certainly more ways that you're doing that throughout the day in different elements of dentistry mm-hmm. as well as just um as well as just kind of maybe you know non-acceptance of treatment plans um so well, I I think it's... It's... sorry sorry you say no it's right. I, g- I guess there's a lot that that's been pick today um yeah. and it's something that i guess you're saying with dentistry um it is a very niche subject that patients don't understand and the public don't understand um And even, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of will sort of say, yep, we teach resilience, we teach well-being. But without sort of having an awareness of that industry, it's not actually possible to know what it is. Um, And I guess with something like Petros, because it's, you know, looking from the outside inwards, Mm. um, I think that makes a difference because you're not trying to react to situations as dentists. You're trying to react to situations as professionals to offer advice from a completely different perspective.
0: Well, it's interesting when you're talking about um, maybe a patient isn't following a treatment plan and how frustrating that can be. And there is definitely a dentist personality um, that's been researched. And there is a tendency amongst dentists to strive for perfectionism. So we've got to take into account sort of personality variables as well. So it must be incredibly frustrating if you know that a certain course of treatment is is going to help a patient and they're refusing to take it. I think that would potentially drive me mad, which would be rumination. But you're absolutely right in recognising that people have to make their own decisions and that we cannot control what everyone else does. So the detachment piece is about enabling you to take that step back and not get overwrought and overwhelmed. Um, by a patient not following a treatment plan and I know from you know a dear friend of mine who's a dentist who said you know one of the things that for him he starts the day and he's looking at his list for the rest of the day and if a patient's treatment takes a bit longer he knows the list is being pushed back and and the preoccupation then becomes with the fact everything's going to be running late and patient's going to get frustrated and that can stop him then focusing on what's important now which is the patient who's currently in the chair so being able to keep your mind with you and not let it run ahead to be able to recognize that you do your bit the patient also has an investment in there and the patient has to do their bit too and that is their choice and then to be able to let go of that residual feeling that might come with the day and if we were to get into the philosophy of the challenge of change what we're really talking about is a a sense of defending one's self. And I mean that in psychological, philosophical terms. Very brief example of what I mean by that, because it gets a bit deep. I've described letting go as letting go of the emotions and the feelings, which essentially is how it's presented on the training. But actually, I've learned more about letting go in recent months as I've been caring for my mum with Alzheimer's. And um, sometimes she'll say the most outrageous things or things that are just wrong. So she'll, for example, she'll say, Oh, I haven't seen a doctor in 20 years. Then she's been at the surgery five times in the last three weeks. And that need to to put her right and to say, no, 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 mum, you've been to the doctor five times. Letting go of that need in myself to put her straight because it's pointless. It's meaningless. She's got Alzheimer's. She can't remember anyway. that really is what letting go is. So when we're talking about this in dentistry, that need to do the right things by your patients and to ensure that your patients do the right thing, you can't. And it's, you know, a patient's got autonomy. They've got to make their own decisions, as an example. So being able to let go of that need um, is hard. And when we go back to this idea about attachment and detachment, you know, you'll be very attached to your professional status, your professional um skills your ability to make patients better and when they're not playing ball that's probably why it feels so difficult so learning to wake up control attention detach and let go can be really powerful in you as a dentist managing yourself in that scenario and not becoming overwhelmed with stress which is just miserable
1: no completely agree on that um i guess we're sort of starting to run short of time we've actually gone over um sorry sorry no that's all right it's always it tends to be me as well we find too many things to uh, be relevant or useful um, I think what I'll do is I'll just finish very quickly on um, a tip that I actually learned in um, foundation training. So we're going back uh, quite a way now. Um, also, I'm not a young dentist anymore, unfortunately, as the grey hair says. Um, but it was actually something that Kevin Lewis said um, on a presentation when I was at the offices for dental protection while he was working there. And he said um, a very good tip was not to look at what you were doing the following day. Um And it's because we all have patients, you know, who we call heart sync patients, or we all have things that we maybe don't quite like doing as much as other procedures. And um, Kevin always sort of said, if you look at what you're going to be doing the following day, your mind is just going to be playing on those things. Um, And that is something that I've kind of done to I don't know whether that's or I've I've tried to do anyway to sort of, you know, Keep away from it, and I don't know whether that sits into detachment um, or letting go. Both, yep. um, one way or the other, it kind of just helps me to try and come home. And I know that you know, I don't come home. I try and avoid doing whatever work I can, or um, letters, or thinking about things. I make sure that I've done every single kind of referral that I need to do for that day. I don't leave any sort of admin work behind, and my notes are done, um, so that then it's not playing on my mind on that evening as well. Than thinking, right, I've got to go back the next morning. Um, and make sure you know i've done that that following day as well um i sort of try and keep each, each day if i can as a fresh start um, I don't know whether those are actually helpful tips to anyone or not but um i don't know if you sort of there's anything that you'd like to finish with just to um add into what we've talked about today joe
0: um no really all i'd like to say is if you find yourself feeling really stressed try and take steps to resolve that either through reading self-help talking learning from colleagues lovely tips Hussein. I really I really agree with you um, um but the stress is miserable and no one wants to lead a stressful life
1: I think what we'll try and do we'll see if we can try and um, put a link to the um to that book um to go sort of with yes. this um, podcast as well so um just very quickly it was called work without stress by Derek podcast Roger yeah, and Nick Petrie I've literally forgotten the title already that's how far I've gone um, so yeah work without stress right I'll uh, go and look it up and um, actually um see what that's all about all right well thanks very much for joining us again Joe. pleasure Hopefully we can come back and discuss and unpick however many other psychological defects there are in the world of dentistry and its professionals <laughs> um, which I'm sure are numerous anyway um, from your perspective all right uh, thanks very much again And hopefully we shall be joining everybody at some point later on to discuss anything in particular. If there is anything that people do want, obviously, you know, do contact practice plan. um, And if there is a specific topic or something that you do need help with, um, we'll see if we can actually focus on that as well. In the meantime, take a look at Petros, um, see what they offer. And if anything does um, sit out as you looking at it going, that could be beneficial. Do feel free to contact Joe um or laura who takes care of their own business affairs as well thanks again everybody and have a good christmas and new year bye bye